We had an introduction that we started last week regarding Imam Muslim rahimahullah. And what I said was, I'm going to divide it into two. The first part I said I'm going to speak about who? Imam Muslim. Who is he? A bit about him. We still haven't finished. We have the last point to speak about. Inshallah ta'ala. Um, or maybe the last three or four points. And then we're straight away going to the book, inshallah ta'ala. We'll then go into the, about the book Sahih Muslim. To know about what is this book Sahih Muslim. To have an idea of it. So those are the two points. One is the author, Al-Imam Muslim. And we're at the last points of who he is and, and describing him. And now inshallah ta'ala today I hope to mention some points relating to this book Sahih Muslim. To have an understanding of it. Inshallah ta'ala. The last point that we spoke about last week was um, the praise of the ulama regarding Imam Muslim. That was the last point that we mentioned, right? Am I correct, brothers? So inshallah ta'ala, today we're going to be speaking about shuyukhul Imam Muslim, Imam Muslim's teachers. Shuyukhul Imam Muslim, Imam Muslim's teachers. Imam Muslim, he traveled. Rihalatul Imam Muslim ila tilka al-aqtari al-mukhtalifa min al-alam. We mentioned that Muslim traveled, and Imam Muslim traveled, and he traveled to so many places, rahimahullah ta'ala. And every place he went to, he met a large amount of scholars and people of knowledge, and he took from them. وَلِذَلِكَ الْإِمَامُ الدَّهَبِيُّ said, وَسَمِعَ مِنْ خَلْقٍ كَثِيرٍ مِنَ الْعِرَاقِيِّينَ وَالْحِجَازِيِّينَ وَالشَّامِيِّينَ وَالْمِصْرِيِّينَ وَالْخُرَسَانِيِّينَ فَسَمَّى لَهُ شَيْخُنَا فِي تَهْذِيبِ الْكَمَالِ مئتين وأربعة عشر شيخا ورأيت بخط حافظ أنه قد روى في صحيحه عن مئتين وسبعة عشر الإمام الذهبي the great scholar of hadith he said عراق حجاز which is مكة المدينة شام which is فلسطين جوردن سوريا لبنان part of Saudi Arabia all of those are known as Sham Khurasaniyin, Khurasan, which is a big portion, Afghanistan, part of it, uh, Afghanistan, uh, what do you call it, uh, Iran, uh, Uzbekistan, all of these places, Khurasan. فَسَمَّى لَهُ الشَّيْخُنَا الْإِمَامُ أَبُوا الْحَجَّاجَ الْمِزِّي Dhabi saying, my teacher, meaning Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizzi, my teacher. He mentioned that the teachers of Muslim reach up to 214 shaykh. He had 214 teachers. Dhabi, on the other hand, he said, I actually came to the conclusion, he, he reached the conclusion, Dhabi, that they're actually 217, in which he saw just the narrators of Muslim in his Sahih. And Imam Muslim in his Sahih, he has 217. And then, in Sayyid Alamin Nubala, what did he do? Zahabi, uh, he started to name them in alphabetical order. He goes through each and every one of them. And he has many other teachers other than that, in which he hasn't narrated in his Sahih, such as Ali ibn al Jad, from his Shuyukhs, like in Sahih. Also, Ali ibn al Madini, 
Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Duhali. Those three are from his teachers, but he didn't narrate from them in his Sahih. And it's sad because I looked at so many of the tarajim and so many of the biography that was written by Zahabi, um, Imam Muslim and his teachers, and not one person actually mentioned that Bukhari is from his teachers. Zahabi didn't mention that. Nizi didn't mention that in, his, in the list of teachers. They all left that. When Bukhari is the biggest teacher of Imam Muslim, to the extent that Dara Qutni said, لَوْلَا الْبُخَارِيُّ مَا جَاءَ مُسْلِمٌ وَلَا رَحْ if it, was not for Dara, uh, if it was not for Imam al-Bukhari, Muslim wouldn't have come in the equation anyways. Nor would he ever left. Meaning Muslim's value is because of Bukhari. Daru Qutni said that, the great scholar of Hadith. So they didn't mention it. The reason why they didn't mention it, I could guess, is that because he didn't narrate from him in his Sahih. He didn't. Also from his shuyukhs are Muhammad ibn Mas- uh, Muslim ibn Warah. Many scholars have mentioned different amounts, but the one I like the best amount and the best counting, it seems to be the most precise, especially at the time that we were, me and a group of brothers were reading Sahih Muslim together. Every time we came across a narrator, we would note it down. And the amount that we came to the conclusion of is what Shaykh Mashur ibn Hassan Ali Salman mentioned, which is that the narrators that he has in his Sahih are 219. In his Sahih, they're 219, not 217. But actually 219 and the people who he has narrated outside his sahih are two, uh, sorry, 26 so the shuyukhs the teachers which he has narrated from in his sahih are 219 and the ones he has narrated from that are not in his sahih that other scholars have mentioned such as Abu Hajjaj al-Mizi al-Zahabi and others it's actually if you bring them all together it's 26 26 shuyukhs so this is the correct figure of his shuyukhs. Now I'm going to mention some of his teachers, the most famous ones, the most well-known ones. I'm not going to mention each and every one of them because they're too much in number. But I will mention the most common ones and the ones that are famous, that you should try to memorize who they are and know them because of the fact that they each have books as well and that they themselves are noble scholars. From them is... Abdullah ibn Muhammad ibn Ibrahim ibn Abi Shaybah ibn Uthman Khawasti rahimahullah who is very well known as ibn ibn Abi Shaybah ibn ibn Abi Shaybah ibn Abi Shaybah is from the teachers of Imam Muslim and he is a hafiz thiqa a reliable scholar who's reached a level in hadith which is known as the level of Hafid. He has books. And he died when the year was 235 Hijriya. Al Imam Ibn Abi Shayba died when the year was 235 Hijriya. And he is the first in terms of the numbers of this the counting of Imam Muslim's teachers. Meaning he has the most narrations. There's no one more than him. Muslim. He is the first one in the narrators of Imam Muslim in the sense there is no one more than him in number. The narrations that he has narrated from him is 1,540 hadith. 1,540 
540. He has narrated hadith, he's narrated from him. There's no one more than Ibn Abi Shayba for Imam Muslim. The reason is because Ibn Abi Shayba is a tiqatun thabt. He has hadith and riwayat and narrations that he needed. So he took it from him. From the teachers that he has took from as well is Zuhair, sorry, sorry. Zuhair ibn Harbin, Abu Khaythamat al-Nasai. Abu Khaythamat al-Nasai, Zuhair ibn Harb, ibn al-Shaddad, who is another imam, thiqatun, thabt. Many years ago we taught his book, Kitab al-Ilm. There's a book called Kitab al-Ilm, a small little book, where he talks about knowledge. He brings all the narrations of ilm in one book. He's the second person in, uh, in number in that he narrates from him. He narrated from him 1,281 ahadith. 1,281 ahadith. Al Imam Muslim narrated from him. The third person is. Muhammad ibn al-Muthanna ibn Ubaid ibn Qais ibn Dinar who is very well known as Abu Musa al-Anazi al-Basri al-Zamani Again his name is Muhammad ibn al-Muthanna ibn Ubaid ibn Qais ibn Dinar Abu Musa al-Anazi al-Basri al-Zamin both ways have been said. He's a thiqatun thept, reliable imam. He died when the year was 252 Hijriya. 252 Hijriya. And this is, there's many views. There was over 15 aqwal regarding his. But al muhaqqiqina min al ulama is that he died 252 ala al He has narrated from him. Uh, 772 ahadith is narrated from him 772 ahadith that's the an amount of narrations uh, in which Imam Muslim narrated from him 772 narrations I mean 72 hadiths so he's the third in number the fourth is Qutaybah ibn Sa'id Ibn Jamil, Ibn Tarif, Al-Thaqafi, Abu Raja Al-Balkhi, Al-Baghalani. Qutaybat Ibn Sa'id is his name. His kunya is Abu Raja Al-Balkhi, Al-Baghalani, Rahimahullah. He's a thiqatun thabt and he's very famous. He died the year 240 Hijriya. 200 and... 40 Hijriya. Muslim narrated from him 668 hadith. 668 hadith. Muslim narrated from him. And where he heard it from him, according to the strongest view of the scholars, is Balkh. Muslim traveled to Balkh and he narrated it from him. And there's also a other evidence is that he, he took other ahadith from him in Naysabur, as Khalili mentions in his Kitab al-Ishad. Also, the fifth person is Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Numair. Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Numair, rahimahullah, whose name is Abu Abdullah 
sorry Abu Abdurrahman Al-Hamadani Al-Kufi Abu Abdurrahman Al-Hamadani Al-Kufi He is a thiqatun hafidun fadilun He is a noble righteous upright individual He died when the year was 234 Hijriya and Al-Imam Muslim narrated from him 573 narrations 573 narrations from ahadith from his from the sixth person is Muhammad ibn Al-Ala ibn Quraib Muhammad ibn Al-Ala ibn Quraib Abu Quraib al-Hamadani al-Kufi Thiqatun Hafiz Strong and a reliable scholar He died 248 248 And this is what Al-Imam al-Bukhari said about him Al-Imam al-Bukhari said about him Rahimahullah ta'ala He died the year 248 Eight. And others have said about him He died 247 And Imam Muslim narrated from him 556 narrations Number 7 is Muhammad ibn Bashar ibn Uthman ibn Dawood ibn Kaysan Muhammad ibn Bashar ibn Uthman ibn Dawood Ibn Kaysan, Abu Bakr, Al-Abdi al-Basri, Thiqatun, Tawufiya Sanata, he died the year 252 Hijriya, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, and Imam Muslim narrated from him, five, sorry, 460 narrations, Imam Muslim narrated from him, 400 and 60 narrations the next one is Muhammad ibn Rafi' ibn Abi Zayd Muhammad ibn Rafi' ibn Abi Zayd who is known as Abu Abdullah al-Qushayri al-Naysaburi he's a thiqatun abid a reliable worshipper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he was very well known for his worship rahimahullah ta'ala he died according to the strongest opinion of the scholars 245 Hijriya. He, he died a year 245 Hijriya. And the narrations that Muslim narrated from him are 362 narrations. 300, 362 narrations Muslim narrated from him. Rahimahullah. The next scholar is Muhammad ibn Hatim ibn Maymun. Muhammad ibn Hatim. Ibn Maymun, Abu Abdullah al-Mu'addab, al-Baghdadi al-Ma'roof, bil-Sammin, he was known as. Rahimahullah. He, Sudduq, as Al-Hafid al-Hajr said about him, Nistakhrib, Rubbama wahim. Sometimes he might do mistakes. The other scholars we were talking about, Huffad, making a mistake for them was disastrous. There's no human that doesn't do a mistake, but they were high in their memory 
But Muhammad ibn Hatim ibn Maymun, he was Abu Abdullah al-Muaddab al-Baghdadi. He, sorry, sorry, yeah, him. He was Sudduq Rubba He was reliable. Sometimes he might do mistakes. He died the year 235 Hijriya. And he, Imam Muslim narrated from him 300 hadiths. Number 10 is Ali ibn, Ali ibn Hujr ibn Iyas. Ali ibn Hujr ibn Iyas. Abu al-Hassan al-Sa'adiyu al-Maruzi. Thiqatun Hafiz. He died the year 244 Hijriya. Muslim narrated from him 188 narrations. The next one is Muhammad ibn Ishaq ibn Ja'far. Abu Bakr al-Saghani. Abu Bakr al-Saghani. Abu Bakr al-Saghani. His name is Muhammad ibn Ishaq ibn Ja'far. He resided his Nazir Baghdad. He narrated from him in Baghdad. He died the year 270 Hijriya. And Imam Muslim narrated from him 32 Ahadith. Muhammad ibn Ishaq ibn Ja'far, Abu Bakr al-Saghaniyu. And if Allah gives us time, we will talk about it, what it means, Mustakharaj. One of the scholars we have Mustakharaj is Abu Awanat al-Isfrayini, rahimahullah, who is from Min Tanamidati and Imam Muslim, rahimahullah. Abu Awan is from the students of who? Al-Imam al-Muslim. So what Al-Imam Abu Awanat al-Isfrayini relied on, and narrated, he really relied a lot in his Mustakharaj, is... Abu Bakr al-Saghani rahimahullah ta'ala There are many other ways that his name is said It's also said as Saghani And it's also said Saghani Both ways the scholars they say it The last person is The noble Imam Al-Imam Ahmed Ibn Muhammad Ibn Hanbal Al-Imam Ahmed Ibn Hanbal Who died what year? Does anyone know what year Imam Ahmed died? Does anyone here know what time, what year that Imam Ahmed died? Yeah? It's very important, brothers, you give import, it's very important that you give consideration to these scholars. Do they, does Imam Ahmed mean a lot to you? Huh? If you can't even know when he died, when he was born, he, a person you love, you spend your time knowing about them, brothers. A person you love, you admire, you're concerned about them, and you ask about them, and you look into their biography, and you spend time researching their ins and their outs. Huh? Love is not just a claim that I love somebody, it's actually something that you see in a person's way of how they articles that person, they're reading about them, they're researching about them, they're considered excessive in knowing about this person. Sahaba to Rasulullah, they knew when the Prophet aged, even a little bit. Some scholars weaken the narration, but Abu Bakr came to the Prophet, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I see that you're growing old. Why, how did he, why did he say that? Because he saw some white hair coming to the Prophet's beard. The reason for him was that he knew the Prophet's beard so well that he knew if one extra hair grew white, he knew where, where, what, what happened. If you read the Kitab al-Shama'il al-Muhammadiyah, the Sahabas, they counted the hair that was on the Prophet's chest. Are you with me, brothers? 
the details that they transmitted. How many hair that the Prophet had on his chest, they actually mentioned the number to it. He died? 240? Because I told you it before. I want somebody who haven't told. 240? 240? 241 now. I'm But this is something we have to, brothers, know. We have to. It's not nice. Especially when these Imams are known. They're very well known scholars. Now, I mean, if I asked you Abu Bakr al-Saghani and you say, I don't know him. Maybe. Like in Imam Ahmed, Imam Shafi'i, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah. If I asked you these Imams, the companions, the well known companions, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, if somebody asked you, when did Ali die? You should know it. When did Uthman die? You should know it. If they mean something to you, though, if they mean something to you and you're seriously in love of them, then you would know that. The narrations that Imam Ahmed narrated, uh, sorry, Muslim narrated from Ahmed are how many? Uh, how much? 18 ahadiths. Imam Muslim narrated from him 18 ahadiths in his Sahih. There's something now I need to mention as a mulahada. Mulahada meaning some points that we need to, which is the relationship between Muslim and his shuyukhs. Now, if I, doesn't it not amaze you, brothers? That Muslim has how many teachers? We said in his Sahih alone, how many teachers did, did I say he has? 200 and? This is the strongest opinion that we, we took, right? 200 and? 19. And how many did we say he has outside his Sahih? Huh? 36 narrations. 36 ulama mashayikh. Some of you, if I asked you, have you got one sheikh? Some people, if, was, if I asked you, have you got one teacher that you studied with? If we looked at this, some people who are giving da'wah and in the field of da'wah, if you ask them, do you have one teacher who's ever taught you? That you ever started one book and you finished with him? No. Isn't that worrying? Huh? It is worrying. And the ilm before was in the hands of who? As Imam al-Shatibi rahimahullah mentioned, كان العلم من قبل في صدور الرجال كان العلم من قبل في صدور الرجال Knowledge before was in the chest of the scholars. Pay attention to this. Knowledge, ya ikhwah, originally and its real essence is that it was with the scholars. But as time went, as time went on, these scholars chose to take what was in their chests and to place it inside books. They chose to do that. But what they, that still is needed from them is that the locks and the keys of that knowledge is still in their hands. You might have the book in front of you, but you won't be able to unlock that book unless they open it for you. وَلِذَلِكَ الشَّعْطِبِ When he mentions طُرُقُ تَحْصِيلِ الْعِلْمِ The ways to attain knowledge. He says وَطُرُقُ تَحْصِيلِ الْعِلْمِ طَرِيقَانِ The ways to attain knowledge are two ways. There are two ways that he mentions that a person can attain knowledge. طَرِيقُ الْأَوَّلِ The first way is that أَنْ يَجْلِسَ الطَّالِبُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ مُعَلِّمٍ That a student sits under the feet of a person of knowledge. And he says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَفْتَحُ لَهُ بِمَا لَا يَفْتَحْ لِغَيْرِهِ Allah opens doors for him. You, read, you hear the knowledge purely and it's in its correct way, straight from the mouth of who? That person of knowledge. At-talaqi. You take it straight from him. Then what happens? 
Allah opens doors for you. You learn. This is the most classic way. And he mentions this is called mushafaha. Mushafaha means teacher talks, students listen, and he notes and he benefits. Has any questions, he speaks to the teacher. And he said, الطريق الثاني is it's reading books, opening books and studying and researching and buying books and reading and doing ta'liqat. He said this one comes after the person has done the first one. To buy a book and to read it, you have to know the terms that are used here. If you haven't studied the sciences, it's, it's beginning level. If you haven't studied it from the ulama and you haven't taken it from the people of knowledge and you haven't acquired it from the people of knowledge, getting a big volume book and reading it by yourself will only bring you confusion and it will only misguide you. It will be a reason for you to go wrong. It has to be attained from the ulama. He didn't take one teacher or two or three or four or five or six. He, 200 and something. وَلِذَلِكَ Abdullah ibn Abbas Pay attention to this brothers Wallahi Ibn Abbas was Ibn Ammi Rasulillah He was the Prophet Sallallahu Cousin The Prophet died What did he say to the Ansari man? Come let's go and learn from the companions of the Prophet True or false? Huh? Ibn Abbas could have said I'm the Prophet's cousin I already had the Prophet dua And I already took knowledge from the Prophet That's enough I don't want to go more Huh? No He actually went and he attained more knowledge from who? After the Prophet died, Abu Bakr, Umar, especially Umar. Umar one day was walking, and then Abdullah ibn Abbas came running, he brought him a water, a bucket of water. When he gave him the water, Abdullah ibn Abbas said, Umar, I want to ask you a question. For a whole year, I was a bit shy to ask you this question. Umar looked at Ibn Abbas and he said to him, Wa'ajab al Ibn Abbas. Fascination be to you. Like, why are you worried to ask me an Islamic knowledge? Go ahead, ask me. So he said to him, The ayah in Tatuba ilallahi faqad sagat qulubukuma. Who are the two women Allah is talking about here in this ayah? And then Umar says to him, Inna hafsa wa Aisha. This ayah is talking about Hafsa and Aisha. And then he told him the famous long hadith of when the Prophet separated himself. And he boycotted his wives for 29 nights. And he left them. Until the news spread in the city of Medina that the Prophet divorced his wives. And the story of the honey. Ibn Abbas asked this and he took it from whose mouth? Umar. And he took it from who? Umar. And Umar was not happy that he was shy from him. Because Umar was a man who had heba. For all year, I couldn't ask you this question. But then look at the gems that he took from him and look what he passed over to us. That's who Ibn Abbas was. Ibn Abbas would hear somebody's got a hadith and he would say, he said, I would get up, I would take my riding beast and I would go to that person. And he would lie in front of that person's house. He would take a, um, a cloth and he would place it on his face because the sand and the wind, if it goes in it, and he will be sleeping in front of a person's house, waiting for him to come out at Fajr time. So when he comes out Fajr, he can grab him, and then he can take narrations from him. Did you hear this from the Prophet? When did, what did he say? And he took it from them. Some of them would be embarrassed. This is the Prophet's cousin, lying in front of your house. And then Abdullah ibn Abbas basically introduced the idea, knowledge, you go to it. It doesn't come to you. And you have people today, knowledge has been given to them. Here, akhi, write it, take it. Somebody's coming to teach them, and they're not learning. 
They are not learning, they don't, they're not acquiring knowledge. Ya Wallahi, the day of judgment, this is going to be a hujjatun alayk. This is going to be a proof against you. It's going to be a proof against you. So if you honor this deen and it means a lot to you, then learn what's in it. So first of all, we have to realize that Bukha Muslim, rahimullah, he was excessive in the scholars he took from. Some of them he went too much in their narration. And others he chose not to narrate from them except one or two. For example, Ja'far ibn, ibn Humayd al-Abasi and Abdul Malik ibn Abdul Aziz Abu Nasr al-Tammar. Both of them he only narrated one hadith from them. For whatever reason he saw. Muslim rahimahullah. Others like him, what did, what did he do? He took hundreds of narrations from them. Like we mentioned from Ibn Abi Shayba. Thousands, uh, thousands, five hundred and something. He took from him, rahimahullah. Another thing is, Muslim rahimahullah ta'ala, some of the narrations and some of the scholars that he narrated from, he narrated them, he narrated from them fi sinnin mubakir, early age in his life. Rather, the first time he ever narrated was who? Yeah? When he was what? 20. The 12, he took the first hadith. From who did he take it from? Huh? Yahya ibn Yahya. Who else? Who was the first sheikh he ever took from? The second one was? The second person he took from? Yeah? It's Abdullah ibn Muslimat al-Qa'anabi. Abdullah ibn Muslimat al-Qa'anabi. He's from the early people in which he narrated from. Sah? Sometimes you find that he narrated from Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'anabi directly and the majority and overwhelming times he narrated from Abdullah ibn Maslamat al-Qa'anabi through a wasifa meaning he threw somebody because he died Yahya ibn Ma'in is the same Muslim rahimahullah ta'ala narrated from him in an early light time there are rare times you find him narrated from him straight from him and the majority of the times is through wasta. Ismail ibn Abu Awais, Abu Awais. Muslim narrated from him directly, and then the majority of the narrations is through a wasta. The reason is because he acquired this knowledge at a very early stage in his life. There's also other scholars he lived at their time. He resided and he, he lived at their time, and he could have narrated from them. Like in Lam Yaqdirillah, Allah did not Allah did not wish for him to to narrate from him. And from that person is Musa ibn Ismail al-Tabudaki rahimahullah. Musa ibn Ismail al-Tabudaki, Muslim could have narrated from him directly because they lived at the same time. Lakin Allah didn't wish for him to narrate from, from him. Also Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullahi al-Awaisi rahimahullah, Muslim could have narrated from him directly but Allah did not wish for him to narrate from him. Also, the other thing is that Imam Muslim, rahimahullah ta'ala, all of those scholars which he narrated from, he narrated from them bitaharri wa tarawi wa ta'anni. Tahrir. So, what we said before is any narrator that you may have come across, brothers and sisters, memorize this. Any ruwat narrators that you find in Bukhari and Muslim. If any individual has been criticized that are in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim, Muslim and Bukhari were well aware of that more than you. And they chose from the hadith that that narrator, even though he, he does mistakes, the ones that he didn't do mistakes from. 
So don't come years and thousands of years later, hundreds of years later, and say this narrator has been criticized in his Sahih al Bukhari. Huh? We'll say to you, a person whose memory is bad, does he not get it right at times? Because of Bukhari's ilm, daqiq, and Muslims' knowledge, which was strong, they would pick from the times that they saw, reasons they saw, that that narrator got it right. They would use other external forces and other things that they saw. You got it right. Okay, I'll take it from you. Huh? Are we all together, brothers, on that? And the scholars, they say, any ahadith that are in Bukhari and Muslim, no one is allowed to critique them. No one is allowed to criticize it. Except the criticism that was put by three scholars. Three scholars criticized Muslim and Bukhari. Anything which they criticized them is only the criticism that can be put towards them. Because no one was able to get anything except what these three scholars got. And even them, Muslim and Bukhari are more right. The first one is Al-Imam Al-Daraqutni. Al-Imam Al-Daraqutni's criticism and that which he criticized Bukhari and Muslim on, the scholars, ulama of al-hadith, they say that, that is the, that's a criticism that a person is allowed to stop at. Meaning, in other words, you can't add any more criticism and say, oh, I looked and I saw finding Bukhari this and Muslim this. The second scholar is Abu Ali al Abu Ali. Abu Ali al-Jayyani rahimahullah Abu Ali al-Jayyani rahimahullah And the third one is Abu Mas'ud al-Dimashqi Abu Mas'ud al-Dimashqi Those three are scholars who done ta'liqat and tahqiqat and tatabbu' on Bukhari and Muslim Tara Qutni, Abu Ali al-Jayyani and Abu Mas'ud al-Dimashqi Are you there brothers? Even them, their criticism is what I just mentioned to you They may find a narrator that Rubbama Wahim Wahim is mentioned and accused of this narrator But we will say that Bukhari and Muslim They picked from that narrator what he got right Okay Now we're going to speak, speak about Talamidul Imam Muslim, the students of Imam Muslim. And Imam Muslim students are large in amount. Large in amount. That's not something to be shocked about, is it? Because he's an Imam. Everybody would want to travel to him. He's one of the scholars of this particular field. Al Imamul Mizziyu Abu Hajjaj al Mizzi in his Kitab Tahdibul Kamal. By the way, this Kitab Tahdibul Kamal is originally taken from the Kitab. Al-Kamal written by Abdul Ghani Abdul Wahid al-Maqdisi And this book Tahdeeb al-Kamal only specializes on the six books of hadith The narrators of it Tahdeeb al-Kamal by Abdul Hajjaj al-Mizzi The best tabaa for it is Bashar Awad Ma'roof's one The students which took from him Based on the calculation of Abdul Hajjaj al-Mizzi is what? 35 narrators 35 students According to Abu Hajjaj al-Mizzi's number That he put forward The students that took from Muslim are 35 His students are only 35 um, Other scholars have said no it's actually 38 
38. So there's those two views. 35 and what? And 38. I'm going to mention five of the biggest students of Imam Muslim. Five, just five. And I'll leave the other 30. The five biggest students that he's ever had was Abu Hatim al-Razi who died 277 Hijriya. Abu Hatim al-Razi. The second one is the son of Abu Hatim al-Razi whose name is Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Hatim al-Razi and he's the one who wrote the Kitab al-Jarh al-Ta'adil he always asks his father a question Kitab al-Jarh al-Ta'adil that we have the, one of the biggest books of criticism and of narrators and praise of narrators the author for it is Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Hatim Abdul Rahman ibn Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Hatim And he died the year 327 Hijriah. These, as our brothers, I'm talking about, these are Jabalun Asham. These scholars, Abu Hatim al Razi and his son, Ibn Abdul Rahman ibn Abi these are mountains, mountains that can't be moved in knowledge. Wallahi al mountains. Abu Hatim al Razi said about himself, Wallahi ma kutiba sawda'un ala al bayda' wallahi no white, no black, I meaning no ink of things have been written on a paper except of hadith pertaining to hadith that I saw illa wa except I memorized it. Huh? Can somebody say that? Huh? Any a hadith I ever saw in my life, I'd memorize it. That was ever written on somewhere. I took it and I memorized it. He said to his memorization was so strong that it was said about him, كان إذا مر في السوق that if he went through the market he would put his fingers in his ears, مخافة أن يحفظ كلام الناس to memorize the people's speech. He didn't want to memorize what the people were saying and the information that the people were giving. He's a mountain, mountain, Jibal. Mountain. So he's from the students of who? Al Imam. Muslim. So this, a student shows you what? The power of a teacher. This is the student, Abu Hatim al-Razi. What would Muslim be? And what's the level of Muslim? The third person is Al-Imam Abu Bakr ibn Khuzayma. Ibn, ibn Khuzayma, one day he stood on the pulpit. Abu Bakr ibn Khuzayma, rahimahullah, he stood on the pulpit. And he said to anybody, give me any hadith, any hadith, that there is ta'arud, that seems to be contradicting itself, illa wa ana, except I as an individual would be able to show him how to reconcile between those hadith. Any hadith, bring it to me. So they called him Imamul A'imma, the Imam of the Imams. Huh? Abu Bakr ibn Khuzayma. He has a book called As-Sahih, Sahih ibn Khuzayma, sah? And Ibn Khuzayma is the teacher of who? Ibn, Abi, is, is, Ibn Khuzayma is the teacher of Ibn Hibban. You guys heard of Ibn Hibban? Ibn Hibban's teacher is Ibn Khuzayma. He's a teacher. The next person is Al-Imam Abu Isa Al-Tirmidhi. Abu Isa Ibn Sawrah Al-Tirmidhi. Al-Imam Tirmidhi. You guys know Ibn Tirmidhi? 
You know Tirmidhi, right? Huh? Al-Imam Tirmidhi, he is, sorry, Abu Bakr ibn Khuzayma died the year 311. He died the year 311. The year that he died, I think, is the same year that Abu Ja'far ibn Jarir al-Tabari died. Or maybe three years different. Meaning he, Ibn Khuzayma and Ibn Jarir al-Tabari were contemporaries. Wa'aqaran basically. Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, the great scholar of Tafsir, and Ibn Abi Bakr ibn Khuzayma, they were contemporaries. Also Al-Imam Abu Isa al-Tirmidhi. Tirmidhi died the year 272 Hijriyah. As-Sunan. Rather, Tirmidhi, one place in his Sunan, he narrated for Muslims. Muslim, Tirmidhi in one place in his Sunan, you're going to see him narrated from his Shaykh, Al-Imam Muslim. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Last but not least, Al-Imam Abu Awana al-Isfrayini. Al-Imam Abu Awana al-Isfrayini, who died the year 316 Hijriyah. And he has a mustakhraj. And his mustakhraj is basically when a student does not what he does is that he tries to get narrations where he becomes level to his teacher, but he doesn't go through the chain of the teacher. They only meet in the companion. He's going to use another chain of the same hadith, but he wants to be the same level of, of the teacher. Muslim Abu, Abu Awana did that. Now, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to be talking about the books that Muslim wrote. And Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, he has many books, riwayatan wa dirayatan, in terms of narrations and in terms of understanding of fiqh that can be taken from it. And he wrote it in many different fields. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Inshallah ta'ala, the best book I can personally say that spoke about his books and actually went in details regarding Imam Muslim's books is the Kitab Al-Muntadham Al-Muntadham written by Al-Imam Ibn Al-Jawzi Rahimahullah and he mentioned that Muslim Ibn Al-Jawzi mentions that Muslim's books are actually 23 books Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi says no it's 20 Ala kulli hal who mentions some of the books that he has written he wrote a book called he wrote a book called Asami Wal-Khuna Al-Asami and this book what he tries to do is he tries to mention the names of the narrators, narrators and their kunya kunya means abu if he has a kunya where meaning he names himself after a son or after a kid he wrote a book on that the best tahqiq is the matbu'ah that came from Jamia Islamiyah Medina al-Munawwara University of Medina with the tahqiq of Abdul Rahim Al-Qashqariyu That's good The Taba'a is Darul Fikr And I think it's a Risala Doctorat or It was a PhD thesis or is a Masters I'm not too sure The second book that he has written is called a Kitab called Al-Tamiz Kitab called Al-Tamiz This Kitab Al-Tamiz I can personally say it's the best book he has written after his Sahih كتاب التمييز وهو من أنفس الكتب وأكثر فائدة after his Sahih the book that comes first is this one which Al-Imam Muslim in this book he placed a methodology 
for the scholars of hadith to distinguish and to criticize and debunk matters related to hadith. He placed a powerful methodology. And the best is the best publication is Jama'atul Riyadh, the one they published with the tahqiq of Shaykh Mustafa Al A'zami. Shaykh Mustafa Al A'zami, Dr. Mustafa A'zami, he's one's the one. Number three, Al Jami'u Al Sahih. Al Jami'u Al Sahih is the one we have with us right now, which is called Al Musnad Al Sahih as well. The one we call Sahih Muslim, right? This which we call Sahih Muslim is from one of his works that he has written. And this we will leave it a bit for later, inshaAllah ta'ala. Number four, he wrote Rijal Urwat ibn Zubair. He wrote Rijal, the men of Urwat ibn Zubair, meaning the, the narrators that took from him and matters pertaining to him. He has another book called Yirhamukallah. There's a book called Al-Munfaridat Wal-Wuhdan. This is also good, especially a talib, a person who wants to specialize in hadith, this helps him a lot. Especially when you want to do takhreej of hadith and you want to look at a hadith. This kitab Al-Munfaridat Wal-Wuhdan, it talks about a narrator that no one narrated from him except one person. So if a scholar only has one narrator that narrated from him and he's He's got no other narrators, he brings them, even if it's a companion. So he actually starts from the companions, the Sahabas who only had one person to read from them, no one else. He writes that down. Because later, if you hear somebody else narrating from him, you're going to be like, this is not authentic, it's not true. He's only known to be, does that make sense, brothers? Only one person should have narrated from him. Number six, he has another kitab called At-Tabaqat. And tabaqat which is that he talks about the levels. Like in Muslim, his kitab al-tabaqat is not like the tabaqat of other scholars. Because his one is only specific to the tabaqat of sahabati wa tabi'in. The levels of the sahaba and the levels of the companions. Uh, so the levels of the companions and the level of the students of the companions, the tabi'in. He talks about that. And the best publication for that one is the tahqiq of Sheikh Mashur Hassan. Sheikh Mashur Hassan's tahqiq is the best. It's big, it's fat. Uh, it's this thick, it's that thick, uh, roughly, and it's Darul Hijrati bi Dammam. They published it. These books I've mentioned, how many books have I mentioned? Six books. All of those six books are Matbu' Mutadawal. The previous one I mentioned before, Al Mufaridat wal Wuhudan, it got published by itself. It got published by itself. But majority of the times you're going to find it is actually published in what? Especially the old Indian copy, the, the tabaat that came from India, they were actually good in the sense where they were published very well, independently. But the publications that came out from elsewhere other than India, what they did is that they published it with the du'afa al-saghir by Imam al-Bukhari. You don't find it by itself. Huh? And one of the best publications used to come out from India best publications of books many people don't know that the actual majority of the best copies Islamic books they came out from India some of the ulama had to travel to India to get copies of books did you guys know that the first publication of the Kitab al-Tawheed by Muhammad Abdul Wahab was published in India 
India is the first country that published the books of Muhammad Abdullah, Saudi Arabia. India did it. They brought it out and they published it. Because mashallah, Siddiq Hassan Khan Al-Qinnuji, Rahimahullah, and Nadir Hussein Al-Dihlawi and others, they spent their time of making sure that these books, Siddiq Hassan Khan was married to a princess. So she used to give him a lot of money. So Siddiq Hassan Khan took all the money. And he spent it all in Islamic works. And he told Al-Alamah, Hussein al-Dihlawi, he said to him, you're an alim. Allah has opened for you ilm and its knowledge. Make sure that you author and you write books in it. And so what did he do? He did, rahimahullah ta'ala. He worked on books. He made, he put some works together. Uh, even Al-Alamah, Abdurrahman Yahya al he went to India. And his great book, the Muqaddimah of Al-Jarh Al-Ta'adil, which, which, which is the one that we were talking about by Ibn Abi Hatim. He did it in India. Abdurrahman Yahya al from India, uh, from Yemen originally. He took it. Rather, when he came to Maktabat Al-Haram, he took all of the manuscripts that he could get from India. He got them all, collected them, and he brought it to Maktabat Al-Haram. And the scholars mentioned that the first time many books actually came to the Arab world was through there. Is when it was brought from India. So, those are six books which are matbu'ah, they're published. They're what? They're published. The other books of his are actually either makhtut, they're still not published. They're actually manuscripts still. And some of them, the ulama have given it hukmul mafqut. It's actually lost. And as you know, many of the Muslim works have been lost when countries lose the governments and chaos and catastrophe happens, the Islamic books, they go. It goes. So there are many other books that he has written that we have not seen, uh, some which are lost or are believed to be lost. Because sometimes scholars, they say this kitab is mafqood. And I don't like that word to say mafqood. How many books did we think were mafqood? And we found it. So what we should say is hukmul mafqood. We give it the ruling of mafqood. In other words, it, Seems to be lost. Huh? Seems to be lost. Now we're going to go, inshallah ta'ala, into the book. Sahih Muslim. What's this book, Sahih Muslim? A bit about it. We now know who Muslim is. We have a very detailed understanding regarding him. Sahih brothers. You guys know a good portion of Imam Muslim now. Yeah? Brothers. Yeah? Good, right? Now we can go into his Sahih and, and, and understand his Sahih book, right? Okay. First of all, what's the name of Sahih Muslim? What's the book's name? So we, we mentioned the name we said is Al Jami'ul Musnad. Al Jami'ul Sahih. This is the name the author gave to. Sometimes he calls his name Kitab Jami'. Sometimes, sometimes, sorry, scholars they call it Al Jami'. Many of the scholars they called it Jami'. But the author himself, he refers to his book more as Musnad. For example, as it's narrated from him uh, by Ibn Salah. Ibn Salah has a kitab called Siyana to Sahih Muslim. He says, ما وضعت شيئا في هذا المسند إلا بحجة. Muslim said, I have not placed in my Sahih, I have not placed in my Sahih, so he refers to it as what? ما وضعت شيئا في هذا المسند. I have not placed anything in this musnad, meaning my book, my Sahih book. 
illa bi hujjatin except with a proof. Except with a proof. And I advise you, brothers, if you can buy this kitab, Sayyana to Sahih Muslim, by, written by who? Al Imam Ibn Salah. It gives you a good understanding of the Imam Muslim's book. Okay? And the best tahqiq of it is the tahqiq of my Sheikh, a Somalian scholar. His name is Dr. Ahmed Al Imam, who is Khirij Jamiatul Umm Al Qura. He worked in it when he was in Somalia. He also said about his kitab, And Imam Muslim said, I have taken my musnad and I presented it to Abu Zur'ah. You know who Abu Zur'ah is? Abu Zur'ah al-Razi is the man who said, I sat with Imam Ahmed. And we, we, were, we were narrating to each other. And he said, I realize Ahmed has memorized a million hadith. Huh? They came, he said to him, Ahmed has memorized a million hadith. He said to him, how do you know Ahmed has memorized a million hadith? He said, Raja'atu yawman. I sat with him one day, we both were reading, and he was, Ahmed ibn Hanbal had a, a million ahadith, narrations, turuq, riwayat that came together, that reached a level, of, uh, that reached that amount. These were huffad. You know how we sometimes sit down, uh, and we read Quran to each other, and one person listens and the other one reads and then the other one reads and they go, each person's reading and this is what they would do with the hadith of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. He also said, لو أن أهل الحديث يكتبون الحديث مئتي سنة فمدارهم على هذا المسند. Muslim said, for 200 years, if people write a hadith and they speak about matters pertaining to hadith and fiqh and ahkam, he said, it revolves still around my musnad, which is my sahih. 200 years, if you're out there, you're compiling hadiths, you're bringing it, it, it really revolves still around my book, my Musnad. So all this time, he's referring to his book as what? Musnad. So we, that name is what he's given it. He also said in some places, Al-Musnad al-Sahih. What does the word Musnad mean? Musnad means when a person brings a hadith from them to the Prophet wasalam. Musnad does not mean it has to be authentic. It doesn't have to be authentic. If I give you a hadith for myself to the Prophet, I've, I've done Islam for you. That's called Musnad. But he said, Musnad as-Sahih. My book is authentic. It's conditional authenticity. And many of the scholars, they chose to call this book Musnad al-Sahih. No other name. From the scholars who have chosen to use that name is Ibn Manjawi, Rahimahullah, Al-Hakim al-Naysaburi, Ibn Abi Ya'la, Al-Imam Al-Khatib al-Baghdadi, Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah, Ibn al-Kathir rahimahullah, al-Ulaymi rahimahullah. All of them, they just call it Muslim al-Sahih. Because that's what the author called it. That there shouldn't be no other name called. Lakin al-Imam al-Qadhi ibn al-Qadhi Iyad rahimahullah, he gave it a long name. And inshallah ta'ala, that's the name we're going to use. Which is, he called it, after looking at the book, after observing the book, he called it a long name. He called it al-Musnad, al-Sahih, المختصر بنقل عدل عن العدل عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. So what did he say? المسند الصحيح. So he called it مسند الصحيح. The author already called it مسند الصحيح. مسند I already mentioned to you what it means. مسند means from your narration from yourself to the Prophet. الصحيح means what? صحيح means حديث which is what? متصل إسناده ولم يشذ أو يعل يرويه عدل ضابط عن مثله معتمد في ضبطه ونقله. It means a hadith that reaches five conditions: authenticity is connected, 
narrators are reliable who narrated it from themselves. Then he says, بِنَقْلِ الْعَدْلِ عَنِ الْعَدْلِ عَنْ رَسُولِ So he called it Al-Musnad Al-Sahih Al-Mukhtasar بِنَقْلِ With the transmission of a, a person of integrity from another person who has high integrity. He called it that. Ibn Al-Khayr in his Fihrasat In his Fihrasat He made it even different. He said, Al-Musnad Al-Sahih Al-Mukhtasar why, why call it the word Mukhtasar? Because book Muslim didn't bring all the hadith which are Sahih. They didn't. Muslim hasn't. Rather, we can say if Muslim, Bukhari come together, they, all, they also have narrated all the hadith which are sahih. There are many other hadith which are not in this, them two together that are still sahih that are elsewhere. Huh? Are you with me, brothers? Rather, there are hadith which Muslim authenticated, Bukhari authenticated, but they didn't bring in their sahih. They authenticated, they said this hadith is sahih. Ah, but they didn't narrate it. So that's the name of the book. Number point number two. Why did the author write this book? Al-Ba'ith ala Why did the author write this book? Why did he write his Sahih? He mentions it by saying, "Amma ba'du fa inna ka yarhamuk Allahu bi tawfiq khaliqika dakarta anna ka hamamta bil fahsi an ta'arufi jumlati al-akbar al-maturati an Rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam fi sunan al-dini wa ahkami." وما كان منها في الثواب والعقاب والترغيب والترهيب وغير ذلك من صنوف الأشياء بالأسانيد التي بها نقلت وتداولها أهل العلم فيما بينهم فأردت أرشدك الله أن توقف على جملتها مؤلفة محصاة وسألتني أن ألخصها لك في التاليف بلا تكرار يكثر فإن ذلك زعمت مما يشغلك عما له له قصد من التفهوم فيها والاستنباط منها وللذي سألت أكرمك الله حين رجعت إلى تدبري وما تؤول به الحال إن شاء الله عاقبة محمودة ومنفعة موجودة وظننت حين سألتني تجشم ذلك أن لو عزم لي عليه وقضي لي بتمامه كان أول من يصيبه نفع ذلك إياي خاصة قبل غير من الناس لأسباب كثيرة يطول بذكرها الوصف هي هي منشنز that a noble student of his, who is by the name of Ahmad ibn Salama, Ahmad ibn Salama asked Muslim to write this book. Ahmad ibn Salama came to Imam Muslim, and he's from Ahad al-Nujaba'i, Talamidat Imam Muslim. He came to Imam Muslim, and he asked him to do something. That's why Muslim says here, right here, فَسَأَلْتَنِي You asked me. For you me to write a hadith for you. Which a hadith? Uh, a hadith are transmitted from the Prophet pertaining to ahkam of the religion, rulings, and sawab, rewards, iqab, a hadith that talk about punishments, a targhib wa targhib, a hadith that talk about virtuous actions, fadailul a'mal, and the things that we should do. You asked me to write to you. In other words, Muslims saying, You asked me to write in different fields. So, Muslims' book is not like Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi and Nasa'i. Uh, Tirmidhi is different upon Like it's not like Abu Dawood And it's not like Nasa'i and Ibn Majah The reasons why Muslims kitab is not specific to a particular field of the religion You'll find aqidah in there You'll find fiqh in there You'll find stories in there Of the sahaba and the tabi'een and everything It's a, it's a jamia Comprehensive book Sunnah Abu Dawood It doesn't talk about aqidah or whatnot Sunnah Abu Dawood is fiqh, ahkam are you with me, brothers? 
They have to know how books are authored. Muslim Sahih is Jami'ah. Bukhari is Jami'ah. Bukhari, you learn Aqeedah from there, you learn Fiqh from there, you learn Qistas from there, you even Fadailul A'mal, virtuous actions that you want to do. You find it in his book. So a Muslim said, you asked me to write a book that's comprehensive. That's what you requested from me. And Muslim said to him, this has fallen good in my heart. And he looked, look, Muslim said, I looked at what you requested and what, what, it, what was it going to lead to? What's the outcome? Why should I do that? What's going to come from my action? And I pondered over it. You see, this is the ulama. They think about something. And what's the outcome? What consequences can it bear? What good can it bring about? What harm? What can my action bring? Is it going to, bring, is it going to do ridda of the people of the religion and make people leave the deen? Is it going to bring people closer to Allah? They think about these issues. And then he said, فَوَجَدْتُ عَاقِبَةً مَحْمُودًا I found what you're asking me to do. It's actually a good thing. It's something that if I do, inshallah ta'ala, the outcome is good. And then he went and he authored this book. That's why Muslims authored it. That's one reason. There's another reason he mentions as well, rahimahullah ta'ala. There's another reason why Muslim mentions that pushed him to write this book. And he said, وَبَعْدُ يَرَحَمُكَ اللَّهُ فَلَوْلَ الَّذِي رَأَيْنَا مِنْ سُوءِ صَنِيعِ كَثِيرٍ مِمَّنْ نَصَبَ نَفْسَهُ مُحَدِّثًا فِيمَا يَلْزَمُهُ مِنْ طَرْحِ الْأَحَادِيثِ الطَّعِيفَةِ وَالْرِوَايَاتِ الْمُنْكَرَةِ وَتَرْكِهِمُ الْإِقْتِصَارَ عَلَى الْأَحَادِيثِ الصَّحِيحَةِ الْمَشْهُورَةِ مِمَّا نَقَلَهُ الثِّقَاتِ الْمَعْرُوفُونَ بِالصِّدْقِ وَالْأَمَانَةِ بَعْدَ مَعْرِفَتِهِمْ وَإِقْرَارِهِمْ بِأَلْسِنَتِهِمْ أن كثيرا مما يقذفون به إلى الأغبياء من الناس هو مستنكر ومنقول عن قوم غير مرضيين ممن ذم الرواية عنهم أئمة الأئمة أهل الحديث لما سهل علينا الانتصاب لما سألت من التمييز والتحصيل ولكن من أجل ما علمناك من نشر القوم الأخبار المنكرة بالأسانيد الضعاف المجهولة وقذفهم بها إلى العوام الذين لا يعرفون عيوبها خف على قلوبنا إجابتك إلى ما سألت مسلم أنشز أنذر ريزن The other reason is that he saw people coming out. People who were weak in hadith. People whose teaching and their method of hadith was against the methodology of the people of hadith. This spread. He saw people who were actually in tisharul hadith al-da'ifa. Weak narrations has become spread. People are sitting, a person is actually sitting on a chair and he's explaining books. 90% of the hadiths are weak. This. I saw the people actually using fabricated narrations, a hadith that were made up. They're making up a hadith as they go along. I saw that happen. And then, if these are the people who are teaching, then the Ammatul Nas are actually taking it on. I wonder if Muslim was talking about his time, what would he have said if he came this time and he saw people make up a hadith that are not even in, in books of fabricated? Brothers, like for example, the hadith, the Pokemon that came out a while back. This hadith has, I even looked at the fabricated books of hadith. The mawbu'at, they don't even have it. So we have people who are bringing a hadith now, now, they're making it up now, now. That the liars of that time didn't make up. Getting even worse, right? Things that if you go to the mawbu'at of Ibn al-Jawzi, and you go to other books that are fabricated, you yourself won't find it in there. So scholars always look at this. Whenever they saw a problem spread, a harm spread, they never just let it spread. What would they do? They will take it on themselves to what? To educate the people and to bring them to light in, of this particular issue. 
That's the responsibility of Ahlul Ilm. Allah took a mithaq with them. Allah took a covenant with them. Allah took a covenant with the people of knowledge. What did he say to them? You're going to clarify to the people and make matters clear for them. That's a promise you have to make with me. You have knowledge. Allah gave you understanding of the deen. You can't hide anything. You're not allowed to hide it. You can't conceal it. Are you with me, brothers? Rather, some of the ulama bring under the hadith that the person who is asked a question and he conceals it, the day of judgment, a hakama. You know the horse when you ride it? Something is put in his mouth, right? That thing is called the braid of the horse, right? Bridle of the horse That's going to be put in your mouth Can you talk? If somebody puts a big rope in your mouth like that Can you speak? No you can't Because you refuse to speak when you were asked this question The day of judgment This rope I mean, This bridle that's going to be put in your mouth Is going to be from the hellfire Because you were asked an Islamic question And you chose to conceal it Some of the scholars they said It doesn't necessarily mean that somebody comes and asks you a question Even if you see the situation Asking you to explain it like you see, zina is spreading in the land. And you say, I don't want to speak about it. Or you see, evil spread on the land. The scholars mentioned that if you don't speak about it, you're concealing a knowledge that was asked from you. Who asked you this knowledge? The, the situation asked you. It's like the situation came up to you and said to you, explain me. Clarify to the people. But you chose to conceal it. The day of judgment, your mouth is. So the ulama, whenever they saw that a matter was... There was ambiguity lying in it They will never let it slide by And Allah cursed anyone who knows a knowledge And has an understanding of a matter And chooses not to explain it Allah cursed him on the tongue of Dawood and Isa ibn Maryam Allah says in the Quran يَفْعَلُونَ <laughs> Allah said, the children of Israel were cursed on the tongue of who? Dawood and who? Isa ibn Maryam. Why? One of them would do evil and the other one was watching it and he would not stop him from it. Don't say, Akhi, Wallahi, what you're doing is wrong. They are cursed. What does curse mean, brothers? It means, Allah's mercy is going to be distanced from you. Allah's rahmah is going to be distanced from you. So in munkar, rejecting the evil that you see and saying, stop, this is not right, is actually something that is obliged on every single body who has knowledge of that particular thing. Because the hadith says, Marra'a munkaran. Any one of you who sees man here means anyone. If you see a person drinking with their left, you say, Yaqi, in a nice in a nice manner, in a good way, you tell them that drinking with your left is not right. You explain it to him. Say, I think you forgot. I think you forgot. May Allah bless you and write you Jannah. But the Prophet said that we should drink with our right. I'm just thinking, I'm assuming that you drank. Uh, you forgot. That's it. Come on. But you need to tell. But the way you tell is important that it's done in a good way. What people have today done is this particular point, and I want you to understand it, brothers. They've, what they've done is 
speaking in a good way to clarify what is wrong is important in our sharia and the manner in which you do it is important but they thought that what is good manners is to not speak about the evil ah shaytan has deceived them by thinking that by making you think you have good manners you're actually a person of high manners that you see evil and you turn a blind eye MashaAllah, this brother is good. He doesn't bug. He doesn't go into what doesn't concern him. You're a da'i. It concerns you. Of course it concerns you. But what's important is the way it's done. And the manner which that matter is dealt with. And the manner that which it's, 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 it's cured. The etiquette that a person does it. Bihtiramin. It's done. But no one should be silent about the evil they see. Kainam man kana, whoever that person is. Our messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, Whenever he saw an evil, he would stop it. Rather, Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, the Prophet would never get angry for himself. Never would he ever get angry for himself. If anybody went against Allah's legislation, what would he do? The Prophet's face would change. He'd get very angry. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How long did it take Imam Muslim to author this book? What was the duration that it took him? First of all, what we have to understand is Muslim is better than Bukhari in his Sahih. Who's better? Muslim is better than Sahih al-Bukhari. But the, the reason why he's better is not authenticity. Bukhari is better in authenticity. But he's better than him in the way he authored it. The way Muslim wrote it. The poet, he said, لَقَدْ تَشَاجَرَ قَوْمٌ فِي الْبُخَارِيُّ وَمُسْلِمٌ فَقَالُوا لِأَيِّ دَيْنٍ تَقَدَّمُوا The scholars, they differed upon who's better Muslim or Bukhari. So they, they reconciled it easily. لَقَدْ فَاقَ الْبُخَارِيُّ صِحَّةً Bukhari is better in terms of authenticity. كَمَا فَاقَ الْمُسْلِمُ صَنَعَةً Muslim is better in terms of how he authored it. Why is Muslim better than Bukhari in the way he wrote it? The reason is because Bukhari, when he wrote his Sahih, he was traveling. Bukhari, when he wrote his Sahih, he was traveling, he was on the go. And as you know, when somebody's traveling, they're on the go, they're writing their book, they're putting it together, they're stitching it together. What's going to happen? It's not going to be proper, well organized, is it? Muslim, like he wrote his Sahih in the comfort of his home. He wrote it in the comfort of his home, where he had all of his sources that he could go back to he could verify he could cut he can organize he can put this one here he can take that one put it there most bukhari didn't have that bukhari was writing as he was going and he was writing it rahimahullah ta'ala the period in which it took him was not very little he wrote the book for 15 years and it took him one year to proper work, work, organize it again. Fifteen years as his student, his noble student, Ahmad ibn Salama, which was the one who asked him to write it, he mentioned, Fifteen years he was authoring it, writing it. But pay attention. Nawawi mentions, بَقِيَ فِي تَهْذِيبِهِ وَانْتِقَائِهِ سِتَّةَ Nawawi says it took him 16 years. And Imam Nawawi says 16 years. There's no, there's no problem between what, what 
Musnawi is mentioning and Ahmad ibn Salam. There's no conflict. There's no conflict or contradiction. How? How is there no contradiction? Because it took him 15 years to actually write the book and it took him one year to organize it. So 60 years in total. 15, one five. 15. It took him 15 years, one five. And Imam Muslim. Muslim's writing of his Sahih took him 15 years and one year. Tahdeeb, intiqa, choosing. Another thing that you have to understand is Sahih Muslim. Muslim only plays the kutubs. Kitabu Salah, Kitabu Al Jihad, Kitabu Zakat. He only plays the book, this kitab. As for Bab, Babu this, Bab that, Bab, he didn't. Whereas Bukhari did. Pay attention here. I really want you brothers to understand this point. It's very important. Muslim did not place the chapterings. He didn't place Bab, 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 Bab. Who did that? It was a joint effort of two scholars. Or maybe others have maybe joined in. But it was a joint effort. When I say joint effort, I don't mean they came together at the same time they sat down and they did it together. It meant both of their efforts made the final conclusion of the chapterings. The efforts of Nawawi, Al-Imam Nawawi, he chaptered it, and also Abu, Abu, uh, Abu al-Abbas al-Qurtubi. Abu al-Abbas al-Qurtubi. Now, Abu al-Abbas al-Qurtubi is not the Mufassir. Oh, this is the teacher of the Mufassir. The Mufassir was called Abu Abdullah al-Qurtubi. Abu al-Abbas al-Qurtubi, he has a book called Al-Mufhim, Lima Ashkala fi Sahih Muslim. Are you there, brothers? Their joint effort is what chaptered. They chaptered it. They looked at the hadith, and they, whatever they found that all these hadith have in common, they placed a chapter for it. Are you there, brothers? Bukhari, like, and he done his own chaptering. And since he's done his own chaptering, are you there, brothers? Since he's done his own chaptering, each hadith, he's, when he brings it, he's making sure that it has to be in relationship with the chaptering. And that's also another hard part that has made it even harder for people to memorize Sahih al-Bukhari. Because each hadith is going according to the chaptering. And he wants to have a, re- a strong relationship between this hadith and the chaptering. Are you the brothers? So sometimes that's why he cuts up a hadith, Muslim Bukhari. He takes part of that hadith, he places it under that chapter. And he makes it, and for that same hadith, he makes another chaptering for that. And the other part of the hadith, he makes a chapter for it. Or even one hadith, he may make four or five chapters for it. In different places because he believes that all these fiqh and these rulings can be taken from this hadith. Whereas Muslim, nah. Muslim only wrote kitab and he didn't write the tabwibat. So the tabwibat are not his. But look at this, Allahu Akbar. 16 years it took Muslim and it, how many years did it take Bukhari? 16 years. Both of them. Bukhari 16 years and Muslim 16 years. Both of them are writing for how long? 16 years. And that shows you, brothers. The patience that is needed. You might want to write a book. You might want to do something. You don't have to author it straight away. You don't have to do it the next day. Sometimes leave it there. I promise you, wallahi. You go back to it a year later. You're going you're gonna to see things. Why take this out. Put this in. Leave it there again. As you're studying more, you come back to it again. You add more things into it. You, 
after a period of time, you actually feel the book should be released. And you think this is the right time. I don't think there's a time better than it. That a person should not author a book except when he reaches 35 onwards. Because that's the time when a lot of things have come to you. You've now got a strong base and you're able to let something out. 35. So when did he start his book then? He said it took, it took him 16 years. So when, when did he start? He actually started when the year was 250 Hijriya. So if he started 250 Hijriya, when would he have finished? Yeah? 100? We said it took him 16 years to do it. He started writing when it was 200 and what? 50. 200 and? 266 he would finish. Another point that I want to mention, inshallah ta'ala, is regarding the Muqaddim of Sahih Muslim. Al-Imam Muslim, he authored his book and he also made an introduction for it. So I need to mention something about the introduction. What does the introduction consist of? The con- introduction consists of nine points. This is actually the... Uh, this is actually the mawdu'at, the topics that the Muslims muqaddimah consist of. These are nine points. These are the khulasa of what I realized. The first one is, he starts by talking about why he authored the book. Bayanu sababi ta'lif al-kitab. Sababu ta'lif al-kitab. So he starts by mentioning why he authored this book. The second is, he talks about shartihi fi sahihi. And he mentions in there his condition and how he is going to observe the authentication of a hadith. Number three, he speaks about ijtinabuhu takhrij a hadith al muttahamina wa nahwihim. He speaks about how he is going to avoid and abstain from those who are suspected. No one's, no one's got anything factual against them, but they're suspected. Suspicion is around them. I left those ones as well. Number four, he mentions Sababu ihtimamihi he mentions why he gave so much importance to the reason he's, he's, give, he's explaining his reason of why he's given so much importance to authentication why he chose to take a hadith which are authentic and why he left a hadith which are ba'if. And in that particular point, he talks about how important it is and that it's obligatory to follow the kitab and the sunnah. He goes in 
there much, very much. Number five, he speaks about the prohibition that has come Number five, he speaks about that it's prohibited to talk about everything you hear. To speak and talk about everything which you hear without verification, without verifying, without checking, researching after it. Number six, he mentions that hadith la yuqadu, that la yuqadu hadith illa min man huwa ahlu. That hadith should not be taken except from the people of hadith. And this is where he starts speaking about the importance of chain of narration, ahmiyatul isnad, and that the chain of narration is part of the religion. Number seven. He talks about that if there's a إِذَا كَانَ هُنَاكَ جَرْحٌ صَحِيحٌ that if there's a correct criticism if there is a correct criticism فِي الرَّاوِيِّ in a particular narrator فَيَنْبَغِي is required أَنْ يُذْكَرَ بِدُونِ تَرَدُّدُ it should be mentioned without any doubt if that if there's a narrator he's been correctly criticized it should be mentioned don't be very skeptical of whether you should say it or not say it that's what he says in other words he tries to prove that at that particular point that it's not backbiting to say that this narrator is weak and this narrator is reliable. This is not considered backbiting. This is where he expands on it very highly. Number eight. He mentions that the chain of narration is part of the religion. And it's not in the deen. And he goes further and he goes on to say, And how somebody should be rigid in the matters pertaining to the narrators. How somebody should be very rigid and tough when it comes to uh, the narrators. And then last but not least, Muslims' very famous issue, the majority of the students of knowledge know, which is the had issue of Sihatul Ihtijaj bil hadith al Mu'an'ani. بمجرد إمكان اللقاء بين الراوي والمروي عنه. Here he clarifies. صحة الاحتجاج. That is correct for you to use. بالحديث المعنعني. The hadith which is narrated with عنعن. بمجرد إمكان اللقاء. If there is just a mere belief that these people could have met. بمجرد إمكان اللقاء بين الراوي والمروي عنه. Now let me explain this in more details. Bukhari did something in his Sahih, and here the person that Muslim is refuting is his own teacher Bukhari. He's refuting him highly. This is where he goes in in his Muqaddimah. 
Muslim to refute Al-Imam Bukhari and this issue is called this is called Al-Hadith Al-Mu'an'an a hadith which is narrated with An'ana when there is a imkan al-liqa'i bayna al-rawi wal marwi Bukhari what he did in his sahih is that any narrator who narrates a hadith if he uses his narration from the person he's narrated from if he uses the word an in ilm al-hadith and if that person is known as a mudallis what does that mean? Has, have you guys ever studied mustalah al-hadith? Huh? some of them here have Nukhbat huh? al-fikr no one's done it no one's done Nukhbat al-fikr okay pay attention to this the word an in the Arabic language means from or yeah from what's your name akhi? Ikram. If I say Ikra, from Ikram, Ikram said that there's no class tomorrow. Did I hear it from him? Huh? Did I hear it from Ikram? There could be that possibility I heard it from him. And there's a possibility I might not have heard of it from him. So scholars of hadith don't take that word an. They want you to say, Ikram told me, Haddathani, They need, this is called Tasrihu Sima, that there's a direct, you can't use those terms. Are you there, brothers? But they don't condition that for everybody. They condition it for a person who's known as Mudallis. A Mudallis is who? It's an individual who has become known to drop people out of their chain in order to get closer to Ikram. Ikram has just told me that there's no class tomorrow. He hasn't told me. Ilyas told me. But Ilyas heard it from Ashraf. And Ashraf heard it from... I just don't want my chain to be longer. So I get rid of those two. I automatically say, Ikram said... I am now called a mudalis. What I've just done is called tedlis. I've shortened the chain. I've organized the chain. There are many reasons why somebody would do that. The reason why they would do that is because, number one, they may not want the chain to be longer. They like it when it's shorter because you get closer to the Prophet. Number two, maybe if Ilyas and Ashraf are in the chain of narration, they are, they are weak narrators. So it weakens my narration. Does that make sense? Am I a liar? I'm not a liar. I didn't lie. I'm a reliable person. I did not lie, I'm st- but I'm called a mudalis. Pay attention now. Bukhari's conditions are tough now. Bukhari said, okay. This mudalis, if he narrates with an, I'm a mudalis. What did I just do? Tedlis. I dropped two people off. So I'm called a mudalis now. If I narrate from Ikram with An, Bukhari says, we're not going to accept the An from you at all. Muslim said, I agree with you. We won't accept it. 
Does that make sense? Unless he says, Haddathani. Are you with me? Are we all together? So they both agree on that. But Bukhari came and he said, If Abdul Rahman, me, is not a mudallis, I'm not a mudallis, I am not known to do that. And I just said, An ikram. I'm not known, no one, I've never done this before, I've never dropped people out. Are you there, brothers? Am I a mudallis? No, I'm not a mudallis. In this situation, Bukhari said, I would accept his an. Muslim said, oh, I would as well. Bukhari said, but I would do with a condition. Muslim said, what is your condition? He said, my condition is that Ikram and Abdurrahman have to have met once in their life. Muslim said, no, I don't agree with you on that. I would suffice myself if there is a possibility they could have met. There's imkan al-liqa, that there was a possibility they could have met. In the sense where they are mu'asara, they resided at the same era, they lived at the same time. That's enough for me to say that the chain is connected. Does that make sense to you, brothers? So whose condition is more tougher? Bukhari is tougher. Muslim said that what Bukhari is doing is an innovation. No one preceded him in this. Why is he making it like this? And he brings ijma' that Muslim transmits. He said, this is ijma' what I'm upon is a consensus. What Bukhari is doing is not. Muslim is doing that. And the scholars, they said Bukhari is right and Muslim is. But he doesn't allow that to go through. So he refutes his own teacher. Are you with me, brothers? But through their discussion, meaning Bukhari doesn't respond, but Muslim, through his discussion with Bukhari, Muslim, he brings so much benefits that you can take from it. And you learn a lot of principles. Are you there, brothers? I'm going to conclude, inshallah ta'ala, as we only have 12 minutes left now. It's up to 8 o'clock, right? Inshallah ta'ala, the importance of this book. And um, Imam Muslim Sahih, brothers, Okay, uh, my time is very short. There's another point that's more important. Uh, I'm going to conclude with, sorry. Um, the research is 162 pages. We've only done 62 pages. We've got 100 pages to go through. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll just do... This point I think is very important, which is that the narrators who narrated Sahih Muslim to us, I think this is important. Scholars who transmitted Sahih Muslim to us is more important. This book, Sahih Muslim, are you there, brothers? This kitab, Sahih Muslim, that we have, even that it is Sahih Muslim, and it's the great, one of the greatest books. There's only two narrators for it. From a Muslim. They have took this book, have passed it over. There are many who've taken it from him, but their chains have not reached us. The only two chains that it came through is these two. The first one is Abi Ishaq Ibrahim ibn Muhammad ibn Sufyan. 
ابي اسحاق ابراهيم بن محمد بن سفيان that one is the riwayah that's taken by the mashariqah mashariqah mean the people from mashariq the east and the west the west meaning this is taken by the majority of the muslim world it's this riwayah that we have the jumhur ulama the riwayah that we go back to is this one Except that the Ahlul Bilad al Maghrib, Maghrib meaning Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, uh, huh? they have the riwayah of Abi Muhammad, Ahmed ibn Ali, Al Qalanisiyu, Al Qalanisiyu, Abi Muhammad, Ahmed ibn Ali, Al Qalanisiyu. As I said to you before, which one is the famous one? And the common one is the common all. The common one is Abu Ishaq's one. So let's just talk a bit about his one. He is from Naysabur. Abu Ishaq is from Naysabur, and he was a faqih and a zahid, a, rely, a, a, a jurist and a, a static individual. ولذلك الإمام الحاكم he said, I heard my teacher Muhammad ibn Yazid al-Adil saying that Abu Ishaq was a Mujabu da'wah. He was a person, if he made dua, Allah will accept his dua. He was a mujabu da'wah. And they mentioned many other righteous things about him. Kind of in al-ubad al-mujtahideen. He was so excessively known for his ibadah. And he was very well known for. And he spent so long, so, so much time with Muslim, al-imam Muslim. A lot of time he spent with Muslim. Lazamahu. Rahimahullah. Very well. ولذلك إمام مسلم when he finished reading the book he was one of the people who were there so he actually got the last recitation of Muslim on his Sahih he said that himself he said فرغ لنا مسلم من قراءة الكتاب he said Muslim finished reading the book في شهر رمضان سنة سبع that Imam Muslim finished uh, reading for us his Sahih that year uh, that month شهر رمضان في شهر رمضان. Who narrated from Ibrahim ibn Muhammad ibn Sufyan? Many people. Many people narrated from him. From the scholars who narrated from him is Abu Abdullah, Muhammad ibn Yazid al-Adl, Abu Bakr, Muhammad ibn Ibrahim ibn Yahya al-Kisai. From those who narrated from Ibrahim, those. And the famous one that we have today from Imam Ibrahim ibn Muhammad ibn Sufyan. So we have Muslim, and we have two people narrated from Muslim. Who did we say? The first one was Abi Ishaq ibn Ibrahim ibn Muhammad ibn Sufyan, and we have also Abi Muhammad Ahmad ibn Ali al Qalanisi rahimahullah. We're sticking with the one that is from who? Ibn Sufyan, right? Ibn Sufyan, who took from him? Many took from him. But the most famous one that we have is a famous one is the riwayah of Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Isa ibn Muhammad ibn Abdul Rahman ibn Amrawiyah ibn Mansur al-Zahid al-Naysaburi al-Juludi so it's just right Juludi it's very well known as riwayat al-Juludi Juludi it's very well known as al-Juludi Juludi 
جيم لام واو دال اجياء جلودي جلودي رواية is the riwayah which is al-mu'tamada al-mashhura the most common well-known narration then many people narrated from al-juludi many people have narrated from him the most famous one of them is Abdul Ghafir's narration al-fasawi Abdul Ghafir al-fasawi Abu Hussein al-Tajir So his name is what? Abdul Ghafir Al Farisi Al Fasawiyu. He's Al Farisi, he's a Persian, Al Fasawiyu. Then the riwayah of Al Farisiyu. Al Farisi, the narration of his, or the, the people that took from him is Muhammad ibn Al Fadl ibn Ahmad ibn Muhammad al Sa'idi. Abu Abdullah al Farawiyu. So just write Abu Abdullah al Farawiyu took from him. He was very well known as Faqih al-Haram. If you look up the nickname Faqih al-Haram, you'll find that it's his. So that's the chain that we have generally speaking when it comes to Sahih al-Muslim. Um, and I hope I've given you a good understanding of Imam al-Muslim and a good understanding of his Sahih. Any mistake or any shortcoming or faults or errors that has come from me whilst I was speaking is from me as shaitan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayhi.